Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live.
Will and Lou there. Very shortly, I'll be joined by um, an esteemed co-host um, and friend. I'm Bill Carroll. He'll be on shortly. Rory Anderson, uh, my co-host, will be on in about 25 minutes or so. So with further ado, let's get everything started. Um, Teams I am worried about, um, one of them starting with the Cowboys. They lost as Bryant, um, their best player. They just lost Romo. Um, I don't know how they can uh, settle with two of their best players out and currently um, they're stuck with Brandon Whedon and Terrence Williams as their number one wide receiver. Um, their running game is a no-go, so I don't know how you're going to ask Brandon Whedon to manage everything. He can't. He is limited. Don't get me wrong, he has a big arm, but he He just doesn't look prepared. He's always throwing picks. Uh, he didn't even warm up on Sunday, and he went for six for six. But that was just sort of garbage time. Uh, they're already uh, up, and the Eagles are just horrible. Um, so with him out, let's say if he's out at least a month, I can see them going maybe one and four. Two and three in the next few games. Let's just sing if he's out until week eight. Probably longer, but I don't see him winning more than four or three games within his absence. Um, another team that I'm very concerned about, Drew Brees. He supposedly has an apparent shoulder injury. Hopefully it's not the same shoulder he blew up in 2005. Um Without him, possibly they are probably the worst team in the NFL. He makes everything go. Um, that defense is still going through. They have some young, nice players, but, you know, they're still rookies. So there's not much there. There's You can't put everything on Mark Ingram, C.J. Spillers out. You don't have one of five wide receivers. I mean, you have Brandon Cooks, but he's done nothing, really. You have Marcus Colston, who's basically... Um, he's just kind of not really there there, um, sort of washed up in a way. Um, they're tight ends. They're still throwing Benjamin Watson and not Josh Hill, so I don't know what's going on there. Uh, their offensive line is not protecting him well. Um, I guess that's what they get when trading Ben Grubbs to the Chiefs. Um, Following that, um, a third uh, team. Third team is the Seahawks. There's no quarterback injury for them right now, but they're 0 and 2. They're in a tough division. They face the AFC North. The Cardinals already have a two-game lead on them. Um, the Rams are one and one. 
Um, the Niners are one and one. And it's going to be tough, you know, to catch up in such a tough division. Um, reportedly, uh, today, uh, Cam Chancellor swallowed his pride and showed up. And they're going to discuss it back again in the offseason that is sold out. Hopefully, he can uh, save their season. It's a little crazy just saying their season's going to be over or is, you know, need saving after week two, but with the teams they have to face, they really have a tough schedule. Um, another team I am really worried about are the um, Panthers. Panthers, they're relying on giving and scattershot arm. They don't have the bona fide number one or number two, basically a bunch of number five and probably number three with Devin Funches, who has started with a rookie slump so far. He's still in the offense. They traded for Kevin Norwood from Alabama. He hasn't been playing yet. He's still learning the offense. You have Corey, Corey Brown, uh, Ted Ginn, who basically was their leading receiver, and he's no more than a fourth receiver on most teams. Greg Olson, basically, he's their wide receiver. Um, Jonathan Stewart, you never know what you're going to get with him. The offensive line keeps losing players to injuries. Uh, their defense, they just lost Luke Keekley with a concussion for a few weeks. So this team, if they did not have Newton, they would probably be up for the first or second overall pick. So they're likely, likely they have Newton and are able to scheme around deficiencies. Um, another team I guess I'm very, very concerned about um, are the Baltimore Ravens. They're 0-2. Uh, their best receiver is an aging Steve Smith. Um, not really any speed on that offense. Their best tight end was Crockett Gilmore. Max Williams still a rookie swing the playbook still. Um, Justin Forsett just got a little banged up. Um, the running backs aren't really going to do a lot. Um, Basically, the speed element of the game is out due to Brashad Perriman playing right now because he's injured. So once they get him back, I was a lot comfortable that most teams that start 0-2, very few of them make the playoffs. And they face the NFC West. The NFC West um, and their own division, which is really tough. Um... Their defense is not the same without Trail Stokes, who went down with an Achilles injury. But, um, not the same Achilles, but on the other leg. So when when he's back next year, I don't know if he's going to be that effective because he's had two Achilles tears on both legs now. And that's going to step a lot of speed out. Another team that I should be worried about right now are the San Diego Chargers. Um, right now they're without their probably best player, Antonio Gates. Well, 
best player on the offense other than Keenan Allen. Melvin Gordon, okay. Keenan Allen barely had any, he had two catches, maybe 17 yards, and he fumbled. Bad playing fantasy, I wouldn't know. Um, Stevie Johnson looked like Stevie Johnson. Um, They have Lidarius Green, who's banged up right now. Um, so really, the offense really isn't doing a lot. Their defense is giving up a lot of plays. And a team that really concerns me right now is the Indianapolis Colts. They just Started 0 and 2. Um, a comment from Jeff Lugano after the 27 loss to the New York Jets. Uh, the same trigonometry basically saying you don't need to be basically with the interceptions. It's not that hard. Um, and then he backtracked and basically said the O line has been playing very well. Basically, throwing shots everywhere at Ryan Gridstone, Jim Mersey. And I guess the game really so late when Frank Gore fumbled in their own territory. Um, they've really got nothing out of the wide receivers or tight ends at all. Their defense, they're better against the run, but they cannot stop really pass. I know Bonte Davis and her and three of their four quarter cornerbacks were out with injury. But still, that shouldn't really be a problem if you are a good defense, but they are playing awesome right now. Um, and another team that I'm worried about, their quarterback went down a bit. Hamstring injury, they say about two weeks, maybe more. So Jimmy Clausen's out. Their first round pick, Kevin White, is on the pup. He may not be back at all this season. Um, Eddie Royals out injury. Alshon Jeffries out with a hamstring or ankle injury, one or the other. Um, basically, they're relying on. I, mean, I can't even really name a healthy wide receiver on the, on the roster. Marquis Wilson's out. So basically, the offense has to go through Matt Forte and Martellus Bennett and. It is going to be operated by Jimmy Clawson. Not really inspiring. Any confidence there? Let's do a little bit positive. I'm going to start with the New England Patriots. Deion Lewis has looked fantastic. Um, he's basically replaced Shane Green, but he looks better than Shane Green ever did. Um, Julian Edelman is being basically playing lights out. Uh, Robert Kasky is still a monster on the field. Jim Wright, just a two tight end formation. He's really helping him out. Daniel Mandel is already. Tom Brady's team, like at an MVP level already. Their 
quarterbacks aren't really looking like a problem, but they just cannot catch the run. And they just cannot stop the run. I don't know how they're going to manage throughout the year. They're facing the third division, and I think it's um, the NFC East, I believe they're facing. Um, and they were able to team against Buffalo, but really none of their running backs were really healthy. Um, once they were playing just Chris Ivory were running all over you. Uh, Powell and all of them. The Dolphins, you have Lamar Miller and those get back. The Patriots can get play better, but I can compile just some emerging players like Deion Lewis. Staying the same division, spewing positive. The Jets, I thought it never what never would happen. They start two and zero with Ryan Fitzpatrick. They take out the Colts. They take out the Browns. Their defense playing lights out. Uh, Revis is looking closer to his old form. He looks better than he did last year. Ramardi, he's hurt right now, but he managed to still play yesterday. And their defense is just playing lights out. Eric Decker uh, has a PCL spring right now. But hopefully, we'll be all right. Lena uh, Marshall, which was basically a great trade this year. Um, right now, they don't have the speed factor, but basically, two big bodied possession receivers are basically kicking to the half of Playing excellent without Devin Smith, they need the speed element. They really haven't been thrown to Jeremy Curley, which probably is for the best. Um, their offense line looks a lot better than it did last year. Ted Bowles is just dealing with you in Arizona for an Ar- I'm an Arizona Cardinals fan, and I love Ted Bowles. I wanted him to get a chance as a head coach. Now that he has, he's done a really great job. Another a team I'm going to make have some positives for and some negatives. We'll start with the negatives with them. Uh, their defense may not look good at all. Uh, it hasn't been a factor for the big agency signing. Everybody gets after their, you know, red skin or, or the Raiders or, you know, for making big signings and they're that team in the offseason that spends all that money. And it hasn't translated. No, it's the Dolphins. They overpay for players that really haven't translated. Really only one player in Green Street that has helped with Brandon Albert two years ago. But he's still kind of hurt. Um, there are things Ryan Tannehill is playing well. The uh, Laser is doing an excellent job. Another negative book building. Bad uh, clock management, but I can't get any positive for Joe Hogan, but they're one and one. Um, Buffalo Bills, Harry Taylor, 
semi-impressive, not too well. Um, he threw three picks and basically he it was a 38-32 uh, game, I believe it was. Um, LaShawn McCoy got hurt again. Carlos Williams, my boy from Florida State, looked good. Hunt uh, had limited carries since they were playing from behind. Um, the offensive line is not looking good. But Bills defense couldn't stop Patriots, and they were just getting manhandled through these and stop their run, which they're probably the best against the run team, but they got pushed around. Um, going elsewhere, uh, I'm going to start and go back to the AFC North Steelers. They have manhandled their competition. They're uh, 2-0. Uh, one and one. Tony Brown's playing out of this world right now. Um, Lady Ambell just is coming back. Angel Williams just looks kind of fantastic. It's a big surprise, I believe. Um, they're getting Davis carries Hayward Bay in the mix. There's Hayward Bay, um, Mr. Stonehand. Which I believe they should actually take him out, put him in coach. Um, if you ever go on feeling a draft, uh, who's that is hosted by Bill Carroll? I talked about Coates. Um, I think Coates has potential to become maybe a top five NFL wide receiver. Um, I would maybe a little overboard saying almost as good as Antonio Brown, but. Just whatever. Um, he's big, fast, but he's still sort of rocky. He's playing at time Antonio Brown right now. Mark Sweet really hasn't gotten involved. Uh, Heath Miller, um, but looks rejuvenated. Their old line doing okay. Their defense is still in question. Their secondary is what just looks awful. Basically, they're in shootouts every week. Um, another team, I already touched on the Ravens, but I'll go the Bengals. Bengals are 2 and now. Tyler Eifert's back um, from that devastating uh, elbow injury last year. Uh, Jeremy Hill and Gio Bernard. Jeremy Hill fumbled, and Gio Bernard took the the load, and his head looked fantastic. He did see Marvin Jones. Um, it's new, looks great. Their offensive line's good. Their defense looks a lot better now that Gino Atkins playing at all the level right now. And the Cleveland Browns, normally I would start with negative stuff. There really isn't that many for the first time in a while. The Browns, uh, Josh McCown went down with the injury week one, the concussion, Johnny Mitchell played, looked all right. Um, McCown was still hurt last, this, last week, and Johnny Mitchell played. Well, he only basically threw about 15 passes, completed about eight of them. Um, but there are basically long throws to Travis Benjamin, who played like out basically three touchdowns. One on the fifth return with two long, I think, 165 yards, 175 yards. Um, so he looks fantastic. There's not really that much I could say about you know, 
wide receivers. The window hasn't played. They wish they could cut him, but he's owed nine million. Brad Hartline is still running left, but not really doing much. Their tight ends for poop. Now their offensive line's playing all right, so they didn't get any healed by the Jets in week one. That's I could expecting more of the Jets defense and the Browns offensive line in that case. Um, Isaiah Crow is really the only healthy running back. Of David Johnson just came back from concussion. Brad David Johnson, Keith Johnson, I guess. Um, their defense is, I want to say, better than last year, more stingier. Uh, playing lights out still. Moving on, the Tennessee Titans, Marcus Mariota, looks fantastic. He was one based against the first overall pick, Demon Clemson, in a 42 to, I think, 17 win. And then the wheels sort of fell off last week. They faced Browns, um, they got manhandled. He did not look good. And Mariota, was getting deep everywhere. He really couldn't get anything going. One positive from that game, uh, Dexter McCluster, he filled that running back, and he played exceptional. Um, Bishop Sankey, eh, with a bent. Wide receivers are all right and all right, but this basically the Tennessee's version of Brenda Cobb. Um, Justin Hunter hasn't done much, really came back from that mixed touchdown only on one pass to 15 yards last week, but still made plays when it uh, mattered the most. Um, Their defense really improved. Their defense that I thought probably would have been ranked uh, near last in the NFL. That should played really well. They've been forcing turnovers. Um, they just couldn't get anything going last week. Wayne Walker hurt, so they actually had a good game. Down of five yards Moving on, the Jacksonville Jaguars. No, they're not 0 2. They are 1 1. They beat the Miami Dolphins. And Portal should look a lot better. Um, they did lose to the Panthers week one. A good matchup uh, where Jeff Harmon and he overrated cornerback. Shut down Al Robinson for two catches, 35 yards. Um, basically, they couldn't get much going, and then they lost. But last week, they had six catches, over 150 yards. TJ Yeldon looked good. Their offensive line didn't give up a sack. I mean, when's the last time that has ever happened? Um, Titan Marseille's Lewis right now. He's really 
through. Um, didn't do anything marquisely. He had a setting one catch for 12 yards. Alan Hearns, so like Alan Hearns will make some plays and you know, get you a bunch of yards, but not really much of a factor. Their defense for some turnovers. Thank God. I can watch another, uh, you know, still losing that's around week 12. They're still, I don't want to game, but at least now they have. I like this coach, I like the foundation. Uh, I like seeing how things are going with them. Uh, moving on, I already talked about the Colts, the Texans. There really isn't any positive. Um, right now, I am currently joined by a good friend, my esteemed uh, co-host, Rory Anderson. Hello, Rory. Hey, how's it going? Sorry, it took me a little bit of time. Just crazy, crazy life going on today. <laughs> yeah. So right now, I'm just going. I just went over the AFC East, the AFC North. Um, I went over teams that I'm worried about, like how um, the Bears, I went over um, the Cowboys, those, those injuries, and um, things for that matter. And um, basically right now I'm on the uh, Houston Texans. Um, do that, you want to evaluate that? that? Uh, right now I'm on the Houston Texans. Would you like to evaluate what you've seen so far? Man, Houston's a weird team. I mean, the ones, like a lot of the teams you mentioned before, you know, teams like Dallas, like some of that makes a lot of sense because of the injuries and, you know, it just has to be like their particular situation, the way things have worked out. With Houston, I mean, have we really ever seen a team that's so dependent upon one running back like they are? I mean, every time Marion Foster is not joining that team, they just seem to be a utter disaster. And I mean, they have the best defensive player in the NFL, and J.J. Watt, not to mention the fact that they have pretty decent cast. You have DeAndre Hopkins, a guy I don't necessarily think is – I think he gets a little overhyped, but he's a really talented player. But at the same time, they just are completely inept. And you have to wonder, is the quarterback play that bad? I mean, watch it. It's pretty bad. But I mean, there are other bad quarterbacks that at least still get something out of their team, and they are just a complete disaster. It's very weird. Yeah, basically they benched um... – Ryan Hart because he wasn't moving the offense. Um, basically, Ryan Mount stared down, stares down wide receivers and wait till they get open. Basically, throw a fastball, basically going right through their hands. Basically, basically sort of like a Kaepernick. Yeah, basically what he's doing, what Kaepernick does, waits for the wide receiver to get open and then basically throws as hard as he can. And if that's not working for him, he's not waiting for plays to develop, um, and it's just not working. But that Arian Foster, which, like you said, they're so dependent on it. I sort of think he's, I don't think he's going to be much of a factor this year. I think he's sort of done being bold on that. But um, I think they've ran him into the ground. I think there's not much you can get out of him. So basically, I think what they need to do is they need to go after one of these running backs coming up from the draft and restock and free agency. Uh, reshuffle your depth chart, you know, 
Yeah, I mean, Arian Foster was a guy who in college at Tennessee, he was a rotational guy, didn't see a whole lot of carries. Um, and then comes to the NFL, and after a couple of years, all of a sudden blows up, coming off practice squad, that sort of thing. And maybe, you know, they gave him so much work so early that he's kind of just falling apart now. I don't know. It's But he, it's a really – it's just in the NFL nowadays, you just don't see teams that are that running back dependent. You know, even the best teams with the best running game seem to – the running game seems to, in some ways, accent – or at least um, only add to what the rest of the offense can do. But in this case, without Aaron Foster, I mean, they are literally completely lost. And I don't really understand why. You know, Aaron Foster is good, but, I mean, there are more talented running backs in the NFL. There are more talented offensive line. There are less talented receiver groups. It's just a really weird situation. And it's not just a Bill O'Brien thing. This happened before Bill O'Brien. It's hard knocks. Nobody gives credit gives gives any credit to my quarterbacks. They're really good. You just never give them give them a shot. So don't make fun of them. Oh uh, yeah. I'm gonna make fun of them now. Look where you are. And it's like really? Yeah, he was really he kinda grew like a cult following because of hard knocks and how many times he could say the F word in a thirty minute episode. Or 60 minute episode, but I mean, at the same time, how great. I mean, I mean, everyone thinks to see, seems to think he's a pretty, pretty decent coach, you know, seems to be have it all there offensively, but where do we going to really see concrete results? I don't, it's weird, like, we just don't see a whole lot coming out of it. And the, and the thing was, I think last year they had a very weak schedule, they got a lot of breaks, a lot of close games that went their way. Well, they had a really easy schedule. Yeah. And they went 9-7, and people are like, oh, my God, they went 9-7. and They're such a great team. No, they had one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. Basically faced, during that stretch, a bunch of backups. They faced Matt McLean one week. And, yeah. Hello? There you are. So, um, apparently I'm not supposed to hit the lock button while on a phone call with an iPhone. Don't do that. <laughs> you hang up. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, finishing up the text and some things you notice on defense, some deficiencies, uh, some positive things you've seen so far. You know, I mean, of course, there's the, the dynamic duo of Watt and Clowney. Um, Clowney barely did anything, anything from back. Yeah, I mean, realistically, that's their future. That's their hope. I When I watch that team, I don't really see much of anything. They seem so flat to me. I don't really have a good feel for them or a good read for them. I just, they're one of those teams where I watch them, and it just seems blah, you know? Like, I, I think there are just certain teams out there where some people have a really good feel for them, other people don't. This is one for me where I, when I just I don't understand what's happening. Like, I, I see what's happening. I can 
put pieces together. I can see what they're trying to do, but it just it's kind of mismatched, and nothing really makes a lot of sense. It doesn't go together. I don't know. I really don't have a good feel for the Texans. I I have a lot of worries for them. Like organizationally, I think they're in a really weird rut. Like I don't I don't know. It just seems like they're just in this really weird limbo kind of space where they have in some areas immense talent. It's just is I don't know. They're just one of those weird teams. I just can't. I don't. I really don't have a feel for them to be honest. And also with that defense, when they drafted Kalani. Basically, they were, everybody was talking about, oh, they'll be right um, on the opposite sides on the field. Basically, how he's played, they put him at linebacker. He's basically right next to uh, J.J. Watt. And basically, what they, I believe they need to do, they need to upgrade from Jared Crick, their uh, right end. Basically, somebody of that type of caliber of talent. Um, their linebacker support is okay. Brian Cushing. If he can stay healthy, um, they drafted uh, Whitney Merciless, who's basically just good for tackles, really good any stats. Um, and really, there's not that much to their linebacker core. Uh, their secondary is very, very weird. Um, I mean, they have some good corners, but their whole safety position, they signed to Raheem Moore which I didn't get the signing at all. Um, their other safeties basically back up on most teams. They kept cutting people. Um, I just don't understand how that defense is being run. Yeah, I mean, most it seems it would be best if they switched to a 43, put J.J. Watt as a three-tech, and Clowney as a weak side defensive end. Like, that to me makes the most sense, but, you know, J.J. Watson playing five Texans came in the league. I don't know. You know, I know Clowney's athletic. I just don't see him as an up linebacker. He may as well just put his hand on the dirt, just let us put his ears back. And if you're going to play all on the same side of the field, they should be stunting and twisting off each other all day long, like Alden Smith and Justin Smith. But I just, you know, for whatever reason, they just can't put two and two together. Maybe, maybe part of it is the fact that Clowney is behind a lot. When it comes to a lot of things, he just missed a lot of time. And so they're not really confident in the complexity of schemes and how they want to do certain things in the pass rush. There may be that, but beyond that, I can't really think of anything else. It's just, it's, it's like I said, it's a really kind of mangled, randomly put together defense. I kind of feel the same way about the offense. I mean, they've spent no time with the offensive line. There's really no consistency. It's, uh, it's a very peculiar team. Um, one thing I didn't understand when they waived, um, I think his name was Lewis Nick. Uh, a nose tackle they drafted last year in the second round. My whole thing is, I know they signed against both of the offseason. I was thinking maybe what they would do is put them at uh, bookend ta- nose tackles, um, basically one on each side of the line. And I mean, it's just very peculiar. They wasted a second round pick just to wave the guy. Yeah, and, and, you know, Nix is a guy that I thought had a ton of upside in that draft. Like, I don't – he's a guy who has, like, all the natural talent to be a pretty good nose tackle. I don't know why he would be waived. Um, he was he last year. Yeah, I know he had some immaturity issues. I don't know. I just – like I said, Houston's a really I, – I can't – I just can't figure them out. They don't – nothing about that team makes sense to me. They just don't seem to have a plan that they're going by. 
it seems very much just kind of flying by the seat of their pants, and they're not making good decisions as they go. You know, I mean, it kind of, oddly enough, it kind of reminds, in a weird way, I think they're very similar to the Colts in the same division, because the Colts, to me, are a team where the roster makes no sense whatsoever. Like, the roster construction, I think, is just god-awful. Um, they don't... But basically, it's not... The person who's drafting for the Colts, really not Ryan Gregson, is basically Jim Ursay's guy. Basically, until you have a different owner, basically that's how the team's going to be run. They're just going to keep going off them. But we're okay. But I mean, again, if you're the Colts, you have all this. The Colts are the only team outside of the Browns to even have nearly the same amount of cap space as the Raiders. And every year they have a bunch, like 30 plus million every year. And they didn't have to deal with like three years worth of dead money. And they only have to deal with the one because of the Peyton contract. And you look at them, and like this year they go and spend a bunch of money on a bunch of 30 year olds Trent Cole, Andre Johnson. You know, Frank Gore, it's like, what are you doing? They have no young, solid pass rush of any kind. The offensive line has gone awful. They paid Anthony Costanzo, and I'm sorry, Anthony Costanzo, to me, is not a yeah. very good left tackle. I think he's mediocre at best, and they paid him, like, a very good left tackle. And, and they waived probably their better option on the uh, offensive line than Gus or Charles, which I know he wanted a lot more money, but he's better than the guy who's playing right now. And Gustav Charles, Charles is not that good, but he played the Yeah, okay, but he was for them. Yeah, but he plays an okay right tackle, and, like, he's gone now. I, you know, and then you look at that team, they spent a two on Vontae Davis. I don't really, outside of Vontae Davis, the defensive backfield to me is relatively weak. Um, I, I, know they traded, I know they traded a pick for Seal Moore, but they're going to play Seal Moore as a weak inside linebacker. Let's remember that Seal Moore is coming off of off-season surgery, he looked really slow and really poor in the fourth preseason game for the Raiders. And this is a guy that's been playing weak side linebacker of 43 for the last two years. And you're going to ask him to play inside linebacker in a 34. And it's a guy who doesn't have a feel for linebacker with instincts. He fights on play action all the time. He is, he doesn't pay attention well. So he, he very much atten- he has an attention issue. And you don't have a defensive line that can really eat up blocks like it needs to. I mean, you're relying on a guy like Eric Walden to generate a pass rush. That's an issue. Like, you have serious yeah, problems really if, that's what you're big, if that's what your big pass rushers. They feel on guys like Terrell Freeman and basically most of their first-round picks that they did spend on defense, which is very few, and they're not really all that great. But even Joel Freeman, what impact does he make on a football game? Joel Freeman's a nice player, don't get me wrong. But in that defense, like, if you made Joel Freeman a mic, I think he would be a lot better football player than he is being used at a 34 where he still gets hit a lot. And he still gets a lot of guards that come up and eat him because he doesn't have anyone to protect him and cover him up or leave him uncovered, I mean. He, he, I, just, I think that whole, de- that whole team, that whole roster construction, is calling Houston. They're the same to me. The roster construction makes no sense. Um, the decisions the GM makes make no sense. I don't, I don't get it. It's just, it's really, really poor to me. And you just, but you see, both teams are zero and two, and Indianapolis has looked like crap the last two weeks. I mean, they legitimately look like a really poor. The Jets made them look like a joke this last well, week. The Jets probably, de- the Jets and the Broncos probably have the number one or number two defense in the NFL right now. 
But again, both of those defenses, here's the thing. The Bills' defense got shredded by Tom Brady. Now, I know it's Tom Brady. But the thing about what Tom Brady does and the reason why he shreds a guy like Rex Ryan, and I'm going to add Todd Bowles in this because it's almost identical scheme-wise, is they are blitzers. They do heavy amounts of blitzing. The easiest way to slow down a blitz is to spread out the defense. First of all, force them into nickel packages. You change all the blitz schemes by doing that because you take linebackers off the field. Defensive backs don't blitz nearly as well, and they require a lot more open space to be a successful blitzer. If they even get clipped, they're going to be thrown completely off their line. So you spread them out with a lot of three, four wide receivers. You're going to be able to dump a lot of stuff off. You're going to get a lot of nice advantages because safeties are either going to be playing way up tight, so you're going to go over the top, or they're going to play way back, which means you're going to get dump-offs, pick up five to ten yards a clip, which is exactly what Tom Brady did, using nickel and dime, a defense to death. Like, the easiest way to solve a blitz is just spread the team out. And the fact that Indianapolis could, you know, three wide receivers that couldn't, their offensive line was so poor that even trying to spread that defensive out, the Jets had zero respect for it. It's pathetic. It is absolutely pathetic. And Andrew Luck was just, they were teeing off on him all day long. And, look, he didn't have a good game either. He was a real he was a real pain, but that's how Word you beat the team. Basically, where's the Chuck Pagano that ain't trigonometry? He said, basically, it's not the hard, you know, to read defenses. And, basically, he threw Yeah. I said earlier, basically, had a shot at Ryan Gregson and Jim Ursay. Absolutely. And they deserve it, too. I mean, it's, like I said, the uh-huh. roster has got awful. Look at the people uh, they spent money on. Ricky Jean-Francois, Eric Walden. Just look at some of the not even on the roster. Players. Exactly. And they went and they gave them a big contract, too, to come in as a free agent. It was it made no sense. Um, let's move on. Uh, spend a little, less, a little bit more time on the AFC South than I wanted to. Um, let's go start with your Oakland Raiders. Mm. Where do we start with the well? They played well last week, but they still gave yes, up they 30 points to the Baltimore Ravens. That should not happen. But yeah, they played. They're still willing. They well yeah, well, you know what it was? What won that game was, remember how I mentioned spreading out a defense? That's mm-hmm. what the Raiders are going to do. They're going to play out of 11 personnel, a lot. They're going to get a lot of three wide receivers set. And partly because no Terrell Suggs. I mean, Terrell Suggs is a good pass rusher still, even as they... Basically, I don't know if he'll be a fast when he comes back either because he has that Achilles on his other foot. He had one on his other. Basically, yeah. isn't it basically an injury that basically steps speed when you are all healthy in that? To me, I think there's a very good chance he's done for his career. Draw slides, which is, you know, I, 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 you have to have a potential Hall of Fame discussion with him, but I do think we may have seen the last time we see Draw Suggs on the field. I mean, just look at how long it took, like, you know, Crabtree to come back and be successful, you know, even look half decent after an Achilles. Now you're talking about back-to-back Achilles for Terrell Suggs. Well, Terrell Suggs, uh, crediting him, when he came back, the first, I believe, six or seven weeks, he was dominant and basically disappeared later in the year. Mm-hmm. Which is rare, by the way. Well, if you remember through that, he had, like, maybe 
started with maybe three sacks a game after the first three weeks. And then, when, you know, just start spreading them out. But he played fantastic during that time. Mm-hmm. And look, now look what it forced them to do. So now they have to move Doomerville, who is one of the worst defensive ends against the run. They have to move him in a position where he's constantly having to play against the run. Now you can wear him down all game, and when pass rush time comes, he's not going to be able to get there because he's going to be worn out. And they didn't get hardly any pressure against the Raiders. Now the Raiders do have an underrated offensive line, and with Austin Howard being moved back to right tackle, he's back in a natural position. He's doing very well there. And Jamarcus Webb. What's that? As long as he's healthy, Donald Penn. And Donald Penn's been very good at left tackle for the Raiders, especially in the passing game. But even but Jamarcus Webb is the one, like, the fact that he's playing well makes a lot of – it's very weird that you move the right surprised. tackle and the right guard and he's successful, but he's doing well. And then you have the two young studs, which are Gabe Jackson and Ronnie Hudson. But it's, it's a good offensive line, but they completely shut down the Baltimore pass rush, and they neutralized every blitz. They picked everything up really well. I mean, they never got to touch Derek Carr. The one time they affected him on a throw was that really late-game interception. Derek says his arm got clipped by a defender. So, but realistically, they did nothing to really even take him off his timing. And it, it just shows that, and like I said, the, the big key is you want to stop these blitzing teams, these what are being called dominant defenses, being called that. Spread them out. Go 3-4 wide. Do it. You're going to be able to read that blitz all day long and take it apart. Um, I know he hasn't really been a factor. Uh, we haven't talked about the signing and um, what it means for the Raiders. If Alden Smith, he really hasn't showed anything. He's still sort of out of shape, still working through the playbook. Uh, he's still trying to get back into the form he was in before. Um, but if he regains that form and hopefully um, he gets or his, he gets suspended, I mean, that's a big long shot. Um, imagine that talent and with Khalil Mack's talent and what you get from Justin Smith and what is Curtis Lofton. <laughs> um, you have Dan Williams and no tackle. Imagine how good that defense can be. It could be exceptional. And I think right now there's a lot of – I'm really going to watch the All-22 tape in a minute here tonight and really see. But I have a working theory on what's happening with this Raiders defense. So you watch – everyone goes back to the third preseason game when they face the Cardinals. They shut down the Cardinals' offense. I mean, in every which way. And – it was odd because they were blitzing, they were mixing coverage schemes, and then all of a sudden, this team comes in a week one. And rather than showing more than what they did in the preseason, they basically went to nothing but cover three, which was odd. And they just got torched over and over again by the exact same play against the exact same coverage over and over and over again. This last week, earlier in the game, you see that I'm going to cover three quite a bit, and you see the tight end keep making catch after catch after catch. The one touchdown Crockett uh, Croc Gilmore makes 
it looks like it could be man defense, but there's confusion between Curtis Lofton. And so, I, you know, and Curtis Lofton should not be covering anybody in man defense. A bad idea. And so for me, what I think is happening in my working theory here is once they signed Alden Smith, they went back and they dumbed down this defense again. And they said, look, we need to get this guy acclimated as fast as possible. So we're going to start from square one. And we're going to begin to build this defense, reinstall, reinstall. So I think as you watch these games and you come to the second half of last week, now all of a sudden you start seeing Kendall Jr. dial up man defense, dial up blitzes, dial up all sorts of things. So I'm thinking coming in this third game, he's not going to revert back to what's happened in the last, you know, for the first six quarters of the of the year. And we're going to see more balanced defense, more blitzes. And really for me what I want to see is Khalil Mack move back to the strong side linebacker, take Ray Ray Armstrong off the field, put Alden Smith as the Leo, the weak side pass rusher. Your starting tackles would be um, uh, Jelly, uh, Justin Ellis, Dan Williams, essentially two nose tackles. And your other end is going to be Justin Tuck slash Mario Edwards. That, to me... Who are you going to put in the middle? At middle linebacker? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, Lofton. For a base defender, he's perfect. He's a perfect base Mike middle linebacker. He's just bad in, in coverage. <laughs> you just don't put him in man coverage. Like if you he's want to against the run. Yeah, he's good against the run. And uh, if you let him just sit, like uh, I'm, I'm going to try to explain the concept. So if you're in what's called like cover one robber, that's how I know it. But it's where a middle linebacker will sit in a really short zone right in the middle, he can do that. That's fine. Just don't put him in space, like on a, on a, like a tight end. That's what you don't want to do with him. But if you just have him sit in a zone, he's fine. He can handle that. And he can move laterally well enough to defend the zone. He did it pretty well. Like his couple running backs, you know, in the last game. Just, you don't want him covering a tight end in the slot. You know what I mean? Like, that's just a bad idea. He's going to get killed. You want to put, like, uh, Malcolm Smith on a guy like that. You know, even Ray Ray Armstrong could do that. He's an ex-safety. But not Curtis Lofton. But I think if you go to that formation and you allow Mack and Alvin Smith on different sides, and the big thing here is the Raiders aren't doing any stunts. Zero. None. Nada. Which is weird because in the preseason, they ran a bunch. So I think it's I think the Jack Del Rio factor there. I think that uh, uh, on Ken Norton and basically it's like this kind of special because if you remember when Jack Del Rio was the Jaguars before they became um, the recent Jaguars um, their defense always finished in the top 10 they were always good with tackling and you know they were actually really good for stretches and so I basically think he's that into Ken Norton uh, faith and basically like this is not accepted. Yeah, I I'm very hopeful for the defense. I like the basic concept Jack Del Rio has, where he basically runs two nose tackles for his forty three. If you look back at when he was defense coordinator for Baltimore, it was Tony Saragusa, Sam Adams. When you look at Jacksonville, when they were the their top defense was always Stroud and um what was the other guy's name? Uh 
But essentially, it was two. It was always two nose tackles. So I liked the idea of Dan Williams and Jelly Ellis. I liked that combo. The problem is they need to get the guys on the outside doing more. And the biggest issue to me is they're not moving Alden Smith and Khalil Mack in a position to get them in good in good matches. So why aren't they stunting? Like that to me is like the easiest solution here. Is if you only want to rush four, fine, but show me a stunt. You know, what I mean? especially in nickel when you go to a NASCAR package and you bring out like Mario Edwards Jr. or Justin Tuck. Like why aren't you stunting? Why aren't you moving around the defensive end? Get Alvin Smith firing at a guard. He blows them up all the time. That's what he did well. But see, to me, and this is why I say my working theory, is that they've done this whole thing down, and they're reinstalling this defense. So I think well, over time, we're going to see them get better and better. I also think it's probably the deficiency with the secondary is why they have to stay in the type of formation. Uh, I mean, you know what you get with Charles Woodson, with somebody who will play well, um, but not be spectacular. Uh, the other safety position is still in question. Um, What's his name? Nate Allen. He got injured. Basically, they are with Taylor Mays and a bunch of no names basically playing at that spot. DJ Hayden. Who's being DJ Hayden? He's not going to be a shutdown guy, but uh, he's more of a man, right? And then you got, um, I think it's TJ Carey on the other end. Yeah, Carey. Yeah. I don't even know who this guy is. But see, here's the thing. Even with Nate Allen, they, all they did was run cover three with Nate Allen in the game. They never mixed it up. Okay, and then when you talk about DJ Hayden, DJ Hayden got a really bad raw deal in the first game. But you have to look at what this team is doing with DJ Hayden. Essentially, they're putting him on a team that's best wide receiver, and he's following that guy. He's playing him in the slot. He's playing him outside. He, I mean, DJ Hayden has never played the slot, and they're using him as the slot corner right now. He doesn't play the slot, and they're doing it. So they're treating him like a top corner and asking him to do a lot of things that he's never done before. And you look at what happened with the Baltimore Ravens game. He makes a phenomenal play to knock to defend the ball early in the game. Everyone points at the one where Steve Smith was an incomplete pass late in the game. That is a clear pick route. It's ridiculously clear. Like, it is such an intentional pick route, there's no reason for no flag. But the only reason why Steve Smith is open on that play. Maybe and there's been, no reason why Steve Smith should have, you know, blew up against DJ Hayden all game. Basically, that was their only threat if you shut him down. Basically, there was a no-go for that offense. And there's no reason 10 catches over 153 yards, and I think two touchdowns. But you got to look at the catches. This defense is perfectly fine giving up the underneath throws. They go to a lot of off zone, and they give up short throws all the time. They, they're perfectly fine doing it. They don't care. They are willing to give up short throws. It doesn't bother them. So a lot of the throws, it, it depends on the throw. That's what I'm saying. So it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what each team's stats are. They don't, this team's not going to care. It's not how they function. It's the kinds of catches they gave up, they didn't, with the exception of maybe one play, they did not really give up any explosive plays to Steve Smith. Their biggest pass game, their biggest gain through the air, 
was to Aiken on a slant route against T.J. Carey, where T.J. Carey is playing 12 yards off in off zone in a cover three. They hit him on they hit Aiken on a little five yard slant, and he has open field for 50 yards late in the game. And again, that's T.J. Carey that gave up that play, not D.J. So to me, I think D.J. Hayden gets a bad rap because he was the 12th overall pick. I think he's coming around fine. He's never going to be shut down. He's going to be a decent corner. Right now, he's playing decent. He's not great. He's decent. I don't think T.J. Carey, T.J. Carey's playing fine. I don't think the issue is the defensive backfield with this team. For right now, this defense, I play 100% of what's happening on the doorstep of Ken Norton Jr. He's the one that has to get it figured out. Time for a sharp word letter, Ferrari. What's that? <laughs> I said it's time for a sharply worded letter to him. <laughs> He's just reading my Twitter timeline. And, this, well, the, here, and here's the thing. I like Ken Norton Jr. a lot. Um, I was on the Jack Del Rio bandwagon early. I thought it was a match made to heaven. I have been calling for Ken Norton Jr. to be defense coordinator for a while. I just think he's coached two games as a defense coordinator. He's figuring out as he goes. He's a rookie, okay? He's trying things. It's going to take time before he really figures out exactly what he's going to do. The nice thing is the Raiders went one and one against two pretty good offenses, pretty good quarterbacks, and now he gets to go up against the Browns and the Bears. Mm -hmm. Neither one with a quarterback that is – or, or a um, receiving game that's necessarily frightening. So it's a good situation for them. Um, I really wasn't a fan of Jack Till Rio signing, but um, being proven wrong right now. Um, moving back um, towards the offense, Amari Cooper um, got shut down in week one, but of course, it, um, it really wasn't that great of a matchup for him. Um, also, Michael Crabtree coming on. Uh, I made a joke to you on Twitter. Is he still turtle slow? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, he's drooping a little bit. Uh, they're at the point where they're not even activating. Um, I can't believe I'm his name. Uh, the receiver. Uh, what's your number? Rod Stricker. Yeah, Rod Stricker. <laughs> and they're playing Andre Holmes in the slot, basically. Yeah, they're moving Andre Holmes around a lot. Um, he does his best deep balls in general. Just get him on a post or a seam. He does. He has a size for it too. Vertical threat. Um, okay. I said he has a perfect size for you know the seam balls. Um, yeah. One thing that I'm really surprised they're not using Clive Walford as much as they should. Um, if he gets the the playmaker. I think it's more of a. I think it's more of a function of the receivers. I think because they had so much success with the receivers in that game, they just kept going to it. It's just why change if it's working. You know what I mean? They were Mm -hmm. having so much success attacking Baltimore's corners, they they just stuck with the good matchup. I have a feeling in different games we're going to see more Clive Walford. They really like it. A lot of the other guy, I forget his name. Yeah, and and it's really going to come down to matchups. Like, I could see a situation with Cleveland where the tight ends are a lot more, receive more of the tight ends. Because the way that defense operates, I think we get a lot more. Yeah, I mean, think about, you know, getting Clive Walford on maybe some short out routes, you know, stuff like that where 
you know, you're giving a nice matchup with him on a on a safety uh, in man defense. All he's got to do is break a tackle, and he's gone kind of thing. And so I think it's a good situation for them. For, but it's really going to come down to a game-to-game basis. And the thing about, you know, kind of like Amari Cooper, first game, I mean, remember, Derek Carr gets hurt in that game. He did have five catches for 70 yards or something like that. So it wasn't that he got shut down. The just was a really bad game. He also dropped three balls. But, you know, Weren't what? Were they pitching the Panthers week one, I think? What's that? Were they? Were, who, were they who were they playing week one? I can't have to get. Uh, Bengals. Well, it's the Bengals. They shut down defense. Uh, I met, uh, mentioned earlier, Geno Atkins is playing back to his all-pro form. He looks fantastic now. Um, so basically, I don't blame that on cards. Basically, that, that was a really good defense. They played a really good secondary, which they've always really been able to produce in secondary. It's a- my, my issue with that game was more with the defense than it was the offense. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they you know they had points where they were going fine at that defense. The problem was they kept, like I said, they kept getting beat on the exact same play against the exact same coverage over and over and over and over again because they basically played cover three for 50 snaps, and they just kept getting beat on the same tight end seam route. You know, and he would just sit right between the linebacker and safety. Oh, there's another 20 yards, another 40 yards, another 40 yards. So, again, I thought the issue to be with the defense. But, you know, it is what it is. It's okay. um, One last thing I want to touch on with the Raiders before we move on. Uh, it's the backfield. Latavius Murray, he claimed okay, not the role theater he was last year. I mean, nobody had really any tape on him. And he just blew up in the face. Um, I, le- I would like to see them, you know, get the ball more and really he'll lose hands. Pass it to him more on a third down roll, which is sort of avoiding him right now. Um, Marcel is becoming a really good player on offense. I know he's, you've always thought he had, was a really good player, but he's producing like one. I think it was last week, or not last week, but week one, two catches to like 52 yards. Was it two catch sends or something like that? Uh, something like that, yeah. And then last week, he blew up, uh, just threw the ball to him and you know, get your big yard. Um, he, was a, he was doing well, you know, when he got the carries. But I would like to see more of Roy Hulu and more of what they're doing with Marcel Reese and, you know, Ginger Pace with Taiwan Jones, I believe his name is, and Latavius. I like what they're doing. See, I, I like the fact that, see, personally, I've always said, you can't have this offensive line and be a power run team. They're doing it right. They're spreading defenses out. They understand they have a line that's going to do best when you thin out a defense. And they are effective running the ball right now. They're running the ball with Tavis Murray over four yards to carry. They're getting a lot of successful Taiwan Joe's at times. Um, he's doing a lot of things. They're mixing him in a lot. I think they're. I think the reason why I'm not seeing a lot of Roy Hallou is because of Taiwan Joe's. And if he was having so much success early, I think we'd be seeing a lot more Rahilu. I think as this, the uh, season goes, we'll start to see more and more of Hulu. Uh And I think that's just natural um, attrition issues. Uh, we saw Jermaine Zalawale, first game, rip off 55-yard run. 
got called back. I mean, I think they're using Marcel Reese the right way now. Use him in the passing game. That's where he's best. If you ever need him to run the ball, you could do that. But right now, use him to catch the ball. He's the next wide receiver. So they're doing well, putting him in space. I like what they're doing offensively. This is what I've been saying they need to do for years. And they're finally doing it. So I say keep it up. <laughs> I don't care if they only run for 70 yards in a game because they're going to be using a lot of screen passes and smoke routes, and they're going to gain 50, 60 yards a game off that. And that's essentially the run game. So it doesn't make a difference to me. I mean, they're going to treat the run game the same way the Niners did back in the 80s with the West Coast. Same thing. They didn't have to run the ball for a great run game. They passed the ball as an extension of the run all the time. Moving forward, uh, let's jump on jump to the uh, San Diego Chargers. What are some takeaways you've seen on defense if you've really watched them at all? I think they have a. I think their pass rush still lacks. They got one good corner in Verrett, Burton Verrett, that I think is really good talent. Um, oh, I just think Barrett. the pass rush. Everyone likes it. I mean, Verrett's a good player, man. He's a fun little guy to watch. He I shut down Odell Beckham in college. They had really good oh, battles. Yes. Um, he was. He is something else. He's just such a, a fight, strong, feisty guy. He's a real fun – if you want to watch fun defensive back play, he's really one of the fun ones. Uh, but I just think that that pass rush is lacking. Like the front seven, I think, is just soft. And it's the same knock I've had with Chargers for some time. It's why I think they're always hovering on 8-8. Eight eight. Is they just don't do anything – exceptionally well in the front seven. And that's the problem. You know, they just, it's just kind of blah. You know, they have a couple of guys that are basic talents, but they just don't turn up consistently. You know, they seem to be very flaky matchup to matchup. And the thing is with Melvin Ingram, basically, if he goes down, the whole defense kind of shut down because there is nobody really that can replace him on that defense. Basically, there's guys basically off the street, you know, that are right behind him. And basically, he's the whole bench, you know, for that defense. And when he went down last year, um, it was not good. Well, think about that statement. If he's the linchpin, and that defense really isn't even that good to begin with, I mean, you have issues. You know what I mean? I mean, you're talking about I the mean, linchpin the defense that lacks talent in general. I mean, and it's slow. Their best, a big knock their on their best defense. player on their defense, and um, he just hasn't been healthy. And they spent a first-round pick on him, I believe, in the 2011 draft, I believe it was. Or not 11, uh, 13 or whatever it was. No, it was 2012. Um, anyways, he was exceptional. Basically, almost all areas except for stopping a run. He really was not good at it. Um, but basically, when that, he goes down, it really isn't much. I know they do have to disable Perryman in the second round. Basically, he's going to play the third down role, which he's not good at third down, and basically because Mance has able to play it back. Because he was being beat uh, in coverage and in the third game. He couldn't stop it. Um, they have a good secondary Eric Weddle is fantastic. Eric Weddle is showing his age. As of now, yeah. Yeah, he, I mean, he got lost in space in that last game a couple of times. 
he really he made he made non Eric Little mistakes. You know, I I don't know if it's he's just not happy in San Diego or whatever. Well, they won't give him a new deal. Yeah, he just doesn't look like the same guy. I mean, I know a lot of Raiders fans talk about Cam Chancellor. Yeah, I know a lot of Raiders fans talk about Cam Chancellor, but man, you get Eric Weddle, I mean, that'd be another guy who'd be great, you know, for that's just for Raider fans. But yeah, he just doesn't look like the same Eric Weddle. It's just like just missing plays that normally Eric Weddle makes. You shave that beard? What just did I see it? I'm saying, did do you think you shaved it yet? Maybe it's the whole beard thing. Maybe no, I no, no, no. That beard is beautiful. <laughs> that beard is beautiful, man. No, I'm saying maybe he shaved it. Maybe that's why. Oh, maybe he shaved it. Oh yeah. Maybe that or he got rid of the fleas or something. I don't know. <laughs> um. Anyways, let's move gears. There's not much to talk about. Let them really that defense. There's really not much. Uh, their offensive line. They paid. A lot of money to team down last. We only allowed, I think, five or six sacks last year. We basically played fantastic, and nobody expected that out of, I think, we was either undrafted or since around six of the Eagles. And the Chargers get him. And he plays, like, the DJ Flukers out. Uh, we talked about this on feeling a draft so Carroll about. Well, we talked about it with a few different people. Um, Orlando Franklin, they put him at guard. Um, not really good. Their center is all right, but so far the offensive line really isn't much of a problem right now. It's that defense. Basically, Philip Rivers is having a hard time you know, getting the ball. Playmakers team now in. He, he destroyed me in fantasy. Two catches, 17 yards, and a fumble. Didn't even get me a point. So I'm a little ticked off at him. Um, Stevie Johnson, little Stevie Johnson. You know what you're gonna get. He's still still in tight end. He's banged up right now. Um, Malcolm Floyd not to play. Home educational plays. Melvin Gordon is still having the same problems, not being able to hit the hole right. Uh, still hesitant. And the Danny Woodhead back being Danny Woodhead. Yeah, I just think in general the Chargers lack explosiveness. Um, you know, and they're just kind of one of those teams. I don't know. I just think they're they're kind of an old, um, old team that just kind of lacks any kind of real explosion in any way. They just don't have a lot of inspiring stuff that goes on with them. You know, I just think that's kind of I don't know. They're one of those teams where they're kind of in this weird spot where they're holding on to the pack with an older rivers and kind of some older talents, but they're not really taking the fact that they kind of need to move on in certain areas. And so, so they're basically the, so they're basically like the 2012 or 2011 old and slow Steelers, but not as old, but still really slow and not as good. Yeah, the defense was they're on offense. Yeah, and you know, to me, to me, they're just getting—they're just slow, and I think they just lack the explosiveness they need to be a really good team. So you know, they're gonna, um, you know, they're—they're they're just suffering that way, you know. And they're, like I said, they're kind of just stuck in this weird little limbo spot. Um, 
I think you know, in a weird in in a weird way, I think um, I think the Chiefs are kind of like that, and I think the Broncos a little bit like it. Not so much because they made changes where Broncos have Von Miller. You see, have an explosive player there. You know, the Chiefs have an explosive defender. Um, so they're kind of a one-up on the Chargers, but they're kind of in that position too where they could really afford an infusion of young, explosive talent in some spots to really take them over the top, uh, but they're just not in a position to do it. So it's kind of an old division if you think about it. The AFC West, like realistically, it's, it's kind of an old, old division outside of the Raiders. They're all old, <laughs> especially the quarterbacks, old. Okay, Rory, I know you're a busy guy. Um, thank you for coming on again. Hopefully we can do this uh, next week or some other time. Um, thank you for uh, joining me. Hey, thanks for having me as always, man, and I will talk to you. Uh, we'll stay in touch. All right, and that's going to do it for us today. We'll continue uh, later this week. Y'all have Bill Carroll on. Uh, he wasn't able to show up today, so... Thank you. Um, Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.